0: you're wrong the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love and i'm here with matt and we're here to talk all things pop culture
1: yes we are back (laughs) for episode nine of ps you're wrong the um, I'm not sure what gift you give somebody on the ninth anniversary, it's probably like lumber <laughs> like or something. Glass, There's a bunch of weird yeah. ones, glass, yeah. yes. Ah, uh, uh, Shelby, check your mailbox. <laughs> I have sent you a glass fortune telling ball. Oh,
0: you shouldn't have, that is so sweet. Uh, but before
1: we get started, we have some great reviews this week. The Yay! fans really came through on these reviews. Oh and I'm gosh. not going to read them all, but there is one that I was just like I have no idea who this person is, but their review warmed my heart so much <laughs> that I feel like I I you need to know who it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. So the thing <laughs> with these review names is that they're the most random thing. So this one is from someone named Tasika? Tsika? It's like Tess and then an underscore and then ICA. So I have no okay. idea what that is. Like I Tessica. don't think I know anybody. Tessica. I don't know <laughs> anyone named Tess. Like me that's neither. not a name yeah, that I know anyone by. So And I don't know anyone with like the last name Ika or if that's like a... I don't know. Anyways, let me read the review because yes, it is please. phenomenal.
0: Yes, Okay.
1: The title is P.S. You're Wrong is so right which is oh great to yeah <laughs> this podcast is absolutely delightful the hosts make me care about things i frankly don't care about <laughs> you make the enter- they make the entertainment world approachable for the average person with little time to stay up to date on the goings on of celebrities and related news that's what we are here for to bring the news oh to the people. yeah
0: yeah for sure
1: OK, here we go. Here's the big moment. It
0: goes on. Oh, my gosh. I'm so oh, excited. oh no.
1: The, the best part is right here. Matt has given me the courage to admit to my immediate social circle that, yes, Survivor is a great show and is still relevant.
0: OK, so you wrote this. You're Jessica. The truth comes no! out. OK, you set that up. I fell for it. Uh. <laughs> i
1: so sw- i it's i read this and i was like oh my gosh i have a kindred spirit in the world that i have never met before
0: yeah i don't know i think uh. you i think you definitely pinned that maybe you sleepwalk and you don't even know and you're just validating <laughs> <Yeah>. yourself <laughs> that's pretty amazing
1: and that is what I am here for, to just empower people, you know, just really get in there with Make the youth live of America and, and and tell them, yeah, like, you can, like, Survivor, you don't have to listen to what mean people like <laughs> Shelby tell you. Go watch Celebrity better. Big Brother. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh.
0: Wow. That's, I didn't see that coming. That was quite the <laughs> twist.
1: Neither did I. <laughs> I was reading their review and I got to that part And I was like oh
0: (laughs) No wonder you were so excited I know That's great (laughs) I just need someone to come and give me the validation That it's okay to love Taylor Swift Like where's that review Like you know maybe I need to go Pull a Matthew write my own stuff And be like (laughs) Hey, she's pretty cool. Shelby, you have a
1: whole podcast <laughs> with a whole minion, like thousands of little weird followers that I'm sure would come and write that review for you. Like right. you just need to, to, you know, really like kind of elbow them. them into it. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's right. I do. You're if right. you
1: are one of those Taylor Swift people and you want to write Shelby a review, I uh, you can do that and it would be great. And maybe we'll read it on the show, but probably not because yes. I probably won't pick it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> He's now searching, control search for Survivor. Those are the only reviews that'll be mentioned now.
1: (laughs) Uh, You can also like us on or follow us on all of our social media platforms, which are all P.S. You're wrong. We have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Our Twitter, I've noticed recently, is very Bachelor in Paradise (laughs) heavy.
0: (laughs) Okay. This is the thing is I'm just trying to stay up on a lot of different culture moments. So... Yes. I also did a whole thing on Jack Ryan that I'm pretty proud of. So it's worth checking out. Like, even if you have to scroll through some BIP stuff, there's other stuff hidden in there. You know, it's a fun place to be is what I'm saying. Everyone yes. should follow us.
1: <laughs> and lots of great GIFs. So if yeah. you're into GIFs definitely jump on there and give us a follow.
0: Yeah. I'm really good at social media. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's top going on my well, resume.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As it should. Yeah. Po- now you're a podcast host. You're also, you're what, like the social media director oh, for, yeah, a, for yeah, a national, in, for an international podcast. Yes, so. for
0: sure. Getting those listens from Canada so yeah (laughs) and I think Australia too if I'm
1: (laughs) so yeah if anybody else needs resume help uh, (laughs) to come up with BS titles let me know Shelby. <laughs> yes. Shall we get into the tell me something I don't know segment of the podcast? Yes,
0: I feel like it's been such a juicy week and I'm glad you noticed the Bachelor in Paradise um tweets I've been doing because we have some bachelor related news and um today on GMA they announced the new bachelor for the main season of the show. Oh. And it's going to be Colton from Becca's season. He was just on Bachelor in Paradise. He had this dumb, like messy love triangle between. So (laughs) some backstory, basically. Colton, so Tia and Becca were on the same season of The Bachelor with Ari. And um, they became really good friends, at least in the Bachelor world fast forward to becca getting her own show this guy colton shows up he's an ex nfl player he actually famously dated um the gymnast whose name i just forgot but anyways <laughs> he- what is going on
1: <laughs> with this story okay you keep going i'm looking up the ex-gymnast
0: so, yes um reisman what's her first name
1: he dated Ally Raisman?
0: yeah yeah So I know it's very weird. He actually he the way they connected was he put out like a YouTube video where he's like, hey, Ali, go on a date with me. And she responded and they ended up dating for six months. So he was sort of like, you know, fringe famous at that point because he was a football player. He had this high profile relationship. Anyways, he gives on The Bachelor. Turns out he'd also dated Tia who is Becca's friend from her season of The Bachelor. So So so, he
1: wants the fame.
0: Yeah, exactly. He is there. He worked really hard and he got cast as The Bachelor. So now he's going to be the star of this franchise and literally no one wants him. There were so many other guys that Bachelor Nation was like begging for, hoping for. And then they just announced this guy who's just like the most boring, bland blonde white dude you can imagine
1: (laughs) so why do we think that they that he got picked then if everyone thinks he's boring
0: um i think he is what the bachelor is looking for they've taken a few risks lately they had their first black black bachelorette um rachel and then they pulled ari from like six years ago and so they've been, like, doing these risky things, and it hasn't been paying off in their minds, so they're trying to go back to the glory days where they picked these middle America sort of, like, all-American boys who are good, and, like, this guy, he's, he's a virgin. He's very proud of it, I guess. It's become his thing. And it really harks back to a previous bachelor on the show, Sean, who was also, well, he was a born-again virgin, which... <laughs> i guess is the thing mean? <laughs> it means he, he wasn't but then he found jesus and decided to be celibate until marriage so
1: oh i think there was a plot line about that on one tree hill at one oh, point oh really
0: <laughs> yeah. yes yeah so this is a real real moment and he is the last bachelor who like really actually married the bachelorette he picked so i think they're trying oh. to go back to that i think they want like this next this Sean 2.0 and they really found him in this boring Colton who's like, oh, he's so boring. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see because most of the people I've talked to, most of the Internet's reaction has been like, this is an awful mistake. This is going to be boring. I don't think I can watch it. So, But
1: isn't the drama of the show the fact that they'll get 20 some <laughs> crazy girls in there who will be like sure. psychopaths and <laughs> and raise hell against one another and that's the drama?
0: I mean, yeah, there will definitely still be some pull, but, like, The Bachelor, we realized like, matters because Ari did a horrible job with his ladies, and before that was Nick, who had been on The Bachelor show three times previous, so he was just, like... What? He's just old news. Yeah, he'd been on Bachelorette, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, and then was cast as The Bachelor. Oh, my so gosh. So he got around. It was just bad, and so it's sort of, like... Colton is sort of like he can't he's young he's like 26 first of all and he's also very like I don't know he doesn't know what he wants he's really like flippity and he on Bachelor in Paradise this season like Tia who like basically made Becca dump him was like you have to date me and he's like I don't know I'm not that into you and she's like just try and then they like dated (laughs) (laughs) and then he like broke up with her to go be the Bachelor so I just don't know if he has that star power but that's what bachelor nation's (laughs) been talking about so we'll see i guess i mean maybe i won't be tweeting bachelor live anymore because it'll be too boring to watch so
1: oh no i'm sure that won't stop you
0: (laughs) (laughs) we'll see but what about you catch me up on something
1: i mean i feel like top build news story of the week top build, wink, Uh. wink, (laughs) wink, is that dear old creepy Bill Clinton was back out in the spotlight at Aretha Franklin's funeral ogling Ariana Grande (laughs) while she performed. For me, this story had everything you could want in a pop culture nightmare. (laughs) The sentimental death of a pop culture favorite, the emergence of a new rising star, and then throw in there the drama of some very creepy old man just ogling her the entire performance in front of all of us to see like what a disaster
0: you mentioned this and i didn't know what bill clinton had done because i was distracted by the other ariana story from that night which was that she was literally fondled on stage by the um, bishop who was like officiating the whole thing (laughs) yes (laughs) so i guess it was a bad night for ariana i didn't even see the bill clinton gaze
1: Oh, oh! The I've the, the, the it launched a thousand gifts. I tell you, the number oh, no. of times I saw Bill Clinton kind of like nodding and smiling and like oh, oh, oh. he like leans over to whoever's sitting next to him at one point, like during the performance, and whispers something. You're like, oh, I can only imagine what that was.
0: That's too bad. I mean, I was very, I was very distracted by the video of the bishop, like literally wrapping his arm around Ariana's side and just giving her side boob a few good squeezes. Like, (laughs) no shame. It was just so disturbing to watch. And then he made that really bad joke about her name being off a Taco Bell menu. And it Uh, was just uncomfortable. And Ariana kept trying to wiggle out. And he kept pulling her right back and giving her another squeeze. And I don't know. It seemed pretty... Unaccidental to me. It's Who just like knew go for your shoulder. that a, a, shoulder, a, that a funeral
1: was such a p- <laughs> p- good place to pick up women. I didn't I didn't realize <laughs> I this was a, a move, but uh no.
0: apparently well, it
1: is. If you're older and you are looking for a new young wife, you just go <laughs> to a funeral and uh pick up one of the performers.
0: No, don't. Bad, inappropriate. <laughs> we don't <laughs> we don't support that. The actor of Luke Cage actually, I think tweeted something and was like Oh, this is how you shoot your shot and was like laughing about this groping incident. Uh, and everyone ugh. gave him like hell for like saying that and he was like, "Oh, it was just sarcasm." And I was like, "You don't put like 11 laughing crying emojis if it's sarcasm." You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like that uh, defeats the sarcasm element. Such so, a disaster yeah, all the way around. Yeah, not a great moment. It seemed like a long funeral full of a lot of weird stuff. Yes. Yes,
1: very strange. I remember watching the James Brown funeral back in the day, which had some equally weird uh, things. It's like, I don't understand what these celebrity funerals, it's like, just have a normal person funeral. We don't need 15 performers (laughs) and a whole bunch of drama, like, Loki, if if I ever become famous, I would like to stake this now, Shelby. Okay. As my original podcast host before we both got famous and had a nasty falling out. Okay. I do not want anybody famous performing anything at my funeral. Like, nothing. Let's just, like, have some prayers, <laughs> cremate if, me, and like, call it a day.
0: What if, like, the cast of Survivor came up and, like, performed Danny Boy? You wouldn't want that? <laughs> I don't I don't I know them, you, you know that's
1: that yeah. if that happened if all 400 and some survivor yeah. contestants showed up at my funeral and sang Danny but Bo- you know what no I'll take that that's the only thing yeah. I want now
0: I'll get in touch with Tessica and we can organize it. Yeah. Yes.
1: Uh. Uh, <laughs> um what else do you have for me?
0: Ah uh, well, this is sad news. Dave Bautista from Guardians of the Galaxy, um, he plays the yes, dude. the like the rock guy rock or he's yeah.
1: purple or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes, um, he. So, Guardians 3 is basically on hold indefinitely now because of issues with James Gunn being fired. Yes. And um, so, Dave was being interviewed, and he's, like, really upset about it. And he's like, honestly, I don't know if I want to work for Disney. And he's thinking of walking away from the whole thing just because of how they treated James Gunn and um, how they're not listening to them and how the story's now being, like, you know, torn apart because they're trying to get new people involved. So... Guardians 3 might be canceled, and it's sort of interesting to think of Marvel, like, losing such a huge, I don't know, like, piece of their gigantically thought-out puzzle, so we'll have to see. I know. It's just sad to think of all these movies we're not going to get, you know?
1: Uh, I know. I'm devastated.
0: <laughs> Guardians 3, Star Trek 4, it's like, come on, can't we all just get along, you oh know? Oh, my
1: God. <laughs> uh who who do we who do I have to talk to to get Infinity Wars four not to happen?
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. I watched Infinity Wars again, and I think you gave that much too hard a time. You just need to you need to relax a little bit, okay? It's like a good movie. It's just that's a fact. You can't argue it.
1: Uh, no, I I can. I can. It's a <laughs> no. shame that we didn't have the podcast then. Stay tuned for whenever the next friggin' I one comes back, out, because yeah. I'll have a hot take on that as well. <laughs>
0: Well, do you have any other news? Oh, yes, of course.
1: <laughs> um, So I have a couple of stories that kind of uh, are connected. Okay. So this past weekend, Labor Day weekend, for those of you who do not know, is the start of kind of the fall <laughs> cinema period. And mm. so there were two different movie festivals that took place this weekend, Venice and Telluride, which are mm. both big movie festivals where lots of the oscar front runners sort of get premiered
0: why do i have a sense like i know where this is going like it feels like we're headed down a familiar
1: no 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 okay okay. no no. different story i could talk about lady gaga but i'm i'm refraining because someone told me that i bring that up too much so
0: okay continue
1: Black Panther has kind of been for a little mm-hmm. while like a shoe in sort of like that everyone thinks that's going to get nominated for a best picture. Right. Mm-hmm. And w- in this festival kind of three more front runners have arisen in Roma, which is Alfonso Cuarón's new movie which is set in Mexico. He directed Gravity, which I know is one of your mm-hmm. favorite yeah. movies with Sandra Bullock. Also the favorite which is Emma Stone's movie oh, this year yeah. is also looking to be a front runner,
0: but Joe Alwyn's in that. Did you oh. know that? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did not. Who who Shelby is Joe Alwyn? For those of many of us who would not know this,
0: um, as he's not a celebrity. It's, it's Taylor Swift's boyfriend. So. <laughs> He's rising in the ranks is all I'm saying it's it's his moment so
1: who is he servant number three in this movie or what's <laughs> no, his role? actually
0: he has a pretty important role he uh, I don't remember his character's name I don't know how it plays in, but he's like one of the two dudes in the film so
1: oh okay well, if you want to go see so. <laughs> Emma Stone and Taylor Swift's boyfriend, you can uh go see the favorite when it comes out <laughs> yeah but the third front runner that has emerged is. First Man, which is Damien Chazelle's new movie, the director of La La Land and Whiplash. But I don't know if you saw this, Shelby. There was a lot of drama also involved with this because in this movie, First Man, which is about Neil Armstrong going to the moon, there was mm-hmm. not a scene where Neil Armstrong plants a flag on the moon and uh, a lot of conservatives <laughs> were up in arms that this was torn from the pages of history and that it was not portrayed accurately in the movie. Do you oh, have
0: thoughts? No. Well, first of all, I was hoping you would tell me that he didn't feature it didn't feature a scene where Neil Armstrong butts his way down to be the first on the moon because that's what I'm waiting for. But Is that guess, a thing? Yeah, he cheated. He got a he got ahead in line. It was supposed to be the other guy, and now no one remembers the other guy because Neil Armstrong think that's got down fan first. Fiction. No, <laughs> it's real. I'll look it up. I'll send you an article. I heard it once, so it's true. But <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but I'm I'm surprised because I guess I thought there was like a Venn diagram where some conservatives believe we didn't land on the moon. So it's like, why are they so upset, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yes. I guess that is <laughs> this is not the conspiracy theorists who think <laughs> yeah. that we never landed on the moon. Yeah. <laughs> this is the people who think we did land on the moon and that there was a flag planted there. Yeah. But that I guess yes, they just now didn't the care. movie doesn't have that. So
0: is it like, does he plant another flag? Does it cut to black before he has a chance to plant the flag? Like why is it so triggering that the flag scene itself isn't there?
1: Well Apparently, originally, some people were reporting that the flag wasn't in the movie at all. And okay. then later, people were saying, oh, no, it was there, but there's just not a scene of him putting it on the moon. <laughs> and then the director came out and was like, well, I wanted this to be more from like his perspective. And the moment where he's doing the moonwalk, the emphasis oh, i movie wanted movie. was on him looking back at earth and being able to see it from the moon so the mm-hmm. flag is sort of in the background but that wasn't a big part of
0: the plot it yeah, all it seems, seems like very why would it be it? yeah why would it be part of the plot like that's a weird Hang up for people who haven't even seen the movie, really, to get upset.
1: Yes. (laughs) Well, that's the other thing, is that most of the people who are being upset were not at one of these two expensive film festivals (laughs) held in faraway places. And so had not seen the movie. They were just taking other people's word for it. And for (laughs) me... If you're going to, like, if they, if he had made this movie and yeah, he had put like some other flag on the, or, you know, like they had changed history (laughs) in some significant way, then I'm like, yes, get in trouble. But to go through like, ah, the, the... You know years of Neil Armstrong's Life that are being portrayed in this movie In two (laughs) hours and picking Out some certain details that you really Feel like connect to the story that weren't There seems very Petty to me Uh, yeah like (laughs) um, uh, The morning before the launch he ate uh, uh, Quaker Oats and that wasn't in the movie so I'm Upset now it's like uh, who cares You know like this isn't supposed to be A documentary it's an artistic Version of this film to begin with
0: Right and I didn't even know that. The flag planting, I mean, I guess I can see why it was a big deal, but it seems like the fact that humanity managed to make it to the moon is more the bigger picture, you know? The fact that mankind took a step on another planet, that seems like the highlight of that trip rather than, you know, the act of putting a flag down. So it seems like the people who would get upset about that are the same people who would get upset about the new Nike ad. (laughs) Yes. let's
1: talk about the nike ad
0: (laughs) yeah i was just minding my own business and then on twitter people started like i started seeing all these tweets about people ripping up their nike stuff and i was like oh no what happened and i guess colin kaepernick was named one of the ambassadors for nike and got like the front ad or whatever for their new campaign and so people are pretty pissed because this is the football guy who dared to kneel during the anthem so <laughs> ruffled a <Yes>. few feathers
1: <laughs> yes again more flag drama who knew that there <laughs> no. would be so much flag drama this week i <laughs> no. Yeah, he was in an ad, one of Nike's ads, that says something like, you know, like daring to stand up for something even when you might get in trouble and then, you know, just (laughs) do it, which is the Nike catchphrase. Yeah. Yeah. And people were like, oh, no, 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 no. I am going to burn and destroy all of the Nike (laughs) paraphernalia that I have. There's all these pictures on social media of people like wearing nike socks but with the logo cut off of them so it's just like this jagged funky looking cut up sock that the person's wearing or like a pair of gym shorts with like the logo sliced out
0: yeah it's like wow you you really showed them you know you you destroyed the materials you already bought so good on you (laughs) really showed nike up it's interesting the reactionary nature of like i don't know just like this weird we have to like cancel everything that we disagree with. And it's like, yes. oh, Nike does an ad we don't like. They're cancelled. Destroy everything. Burn it. And it's just like, well, what are you accomplishing right now? You know?
1: Yeah. There was a SNL short from I think last year that I thought was so smart in how it dealt with this. It was looking at it from the other perspective with uh liberal people boycotting things that were somehow associated with people who were running for Republican officer for Trump uh-huh. and how like oh we can't eat at this restaurant because they gave money to some Republican senator oh, and then yeah. it ends up with AD Bryant and Beck Bennett both like completely naked out on the street because they have <laughs> you know inevitably disowned every single thing that they own through some yeah. connection and another it's like <laughs> All once you get to these rich echelons of people who like oh Nike and are making movies, it's like they're all connected. They, oh, right? They, they, <laughs> you yeah. can't like pick them apart and boycott one and without the other. You know, it's it's it's, yeah. it's ridiculous.
0: Well, plus it's like I think it's also dumb to think, wow, Nike is so woke, they're so great. What a wonderful industry! Like they're all selling a product, and they know controversy yes. sells. So it's like don't play their game either way and it's like I mean I think it's great that they're they're not scared to face this backlash because I think a lot of people were and like the NFL I mean basically outlawed kneeling so it's like it's nice that they're like well that's stupid here's this guy he's going to be the face of our campaign deal with it but it's just like a weird reaction to be like this is a moral ground and I have to take my stand and I don't know (laughs) it's just like okay don't buy Nike but like why go through the trouble of burning everything you already own
1: Oh, yeah. Well, and Nike knows what they're doing because they know, (laughs) one, this is controversial, so it's going to get them attention. And for every person who goes and cuts up their socks and never buys a pair of Nike socks (laughs) again, you'll have 10 people who love Colin Kaepernick and are going to go buy socks just to support them. It's like when there was that boycott Chick-fil-A day like 10 years (laughs) ago, and it ended up being Chick-fil-A's like highest selling day ever because all of the people (laughs) who were like boycotting the boycott went to Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Like, if you really don't like Nike and you really want to screw them, you should just not mention it ever and just don't buy
0: anything. (laughs) I know. I wouldn't have known anything about this if it wasn't for the the haters freaking out on Twitter, so...
1: And now is probably a good time to go to your Goodwill and buy some (laughs) new, fresh Nike gear because people are going to be donating it, so... be perfect. on the lookout uh do you have any other stories
0: um no i think those are the big hitters this week i mean like i said it was pretty it was a pretty important week in pop culture history i'd say
1: i know so much flag drama i think that there might have been a flag involved at aretha franklin's funeral as well so <laughs> yeah. there you go perfect <laughs> that's that's the common denominator <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into our feature presentation for the week, which is the movie Searching, which we both saw. Yes. And it did not come out this week. I think it came out last weekend in like a limited release and then this week in a wider release. But mm-hmm. it was getting such good reviews and seemed like such an interesting movie that we were like, we have to cover this in the podcast. Also, nothing yeah. else good came up.
0: <laughs> I know. And I think it was, it was a... I mean, it's definitely gimmicky. So, The Searching Fall is one of these films that takes place completely on a computer screen or a phone screen. It's on a screen constantly. So, you see everything, all the action through computer screens, phones, whatever. And it, it's basically a thriller about this man whose daughter goes missing and he has to unravel why and where she is and if he ever knew her at all. So, it's definitely like gimmicky, but it's also, I think, And I'm interested to hear what you thought. I thought it was pretty good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I also really enjoyed it. Have you seen any other of these screen movies or TV episodes, Shelby? Um, Or is this the first one you've seen?
0: This is the first one, I think. I mean, I'm definitely familiar. Like the other, the previous ones, the big movies were Unfriended 1 and 2. Um, which I didn't see, but I'm definitely like familiar with them. So I, my, I've had friends who saw them and thought they were cool, but again, it feels gimmicky because you're stuck on the screen. So I was interested to see it. And I was actually surprised by how emotive this process was for me because I thought it'd be a little like dull to sit there and watch someone click through tabs on their computer, but it was strangely very engaging.
1: Yeah. I thought it was really interesting But one thing that I think this movie did better than I haven't seen the Unfriended movies, but there's an episode of Modern Family that is basically Mm. the same premise where Claire is at the airport and she's uh, like has her iPad or whatever. And you're just seeing all of the various like her interactions with the other family members on an iPad. And I Mm. think for that one, if I'm remembering correctly, it's sort of just like the. the TV screen is the iPad the whole time. And so you see things opening up and closing, but you don't really see, there's no like zooming in or zooming Mm -hmm. out or cutting away where this one had a lot of, if something important was happening on the screen, it would zoom in on that one piece of it. And then it would, you know, cut to something else. So it had a lot more, I don't know, like it was a much more dynamic movie than just watching a screen the whole time. Because a lot of the time there there were different shots and it was cutting Mm -hmm. in and out to different things. Or it was showing like a video and it would sort of be like basically just showing the video. So so it was sort of like not watching a screen, even though you were, which I thought was really helpful.
0: It was. And I think it's like, i was reading more about like how this came to be and like who was who thought this was a good idea and it's from like the same producer who did like unfriended he has his name's timur beckman <laughs> he's like a 57 year old russian it. I know. I'll have to go back and revisit that. But he's like, his goal now is to make these films that are all from different screens. So he's like doing a Romeo and Juliet one. He's like, oh, I mean, there's a lot he's doing. And he says he wants to stretch the genre. And it's like, he's very focused on this idea, which is interesting because he started with like Nightwatch, which is the Jake Gyllenhaal movie that. Um, is about the cops and part of it it was meant to all take pa- place through body cam footage but eventually it just like didn't work and so they did like half and half almost which was a really great movie and I remember watching that and thinking it was so interesting because a lot of times with the found footage stuff or like you have Blair Witch Project or Cloverfield like Cloverfield, and it, yeah, it feels very claustrophobic and limited so it's interesting to see how it grew with this story that's very like Intimate. It's about a dad and his daughter and just trying to like figure out what went wrong and how the emotions were there to make it less concerned about like what it was doing. Like, yeah, it's like an interesting format, but more than anything, there was an interesting story to kind of like give reason to why we were watching it this way.
1: Yes. Yeah. The story really, I think, drove the whole narrative and it made you feel less occupied with this weird screen Mm -hmm. setup and you were much more invested in the characters. I also think that part of the reason why this felt so emotional is because they kind of cheat quite a bit (laughs) as you get toward the end of the movie. Where the first bit is sort of like all on the screen and... Uh, you know it's like various facetime calls or they're like google searching things text messages but once you get to this to the second half it's like there's a there's a scene where the main character who is played by john cho who's the dad Mm -hmm. is like sets up security cameras in a house so then you're Mm -hmm. kind of like switching back and forth from these various security shots which is almost like Uh, watching a regular movie and then there's also a couple scenes where they're showing like you're watching a pre-packaged news segment right on the screen so then that also is kind of not actually i mean it's like you're watching a screen but it's actually like news footage so it's different than you know just seeing like people Mm -hmm. on facetime or whatnot yeah
0: i mean even just the beginning which i think we'll have to talk about more at length but you are like trapped on this desktop and that like really breeds this like sense of intimacy with the characters you're yes. you're stuck with. And once it sort of by necessity draws out to the bigger picture of like who done it and like what happens, it does lose that familiarity you have with the characters and it does feel a little bit more like yeah, big pictured and kind of broad scoped that and I don't know if they could have done the film successfully without doing that, but it was sort of like by the end you kind of missed that like enclosed nature of the first half
1: yeah i mean the the way the plot works it moves from a relationship with him and his daughter to a manhunt so as Mm -hmm. the manhunt is getting bigger and progressing as they're looking for the missing daughter you do end up needing more you know resources that are outside just him and his in his phone another really interesting part of this whole like setup of how this movie was made is that the director is only 27 years old this is his first (laughs) real movie and he's younger than you are
0: i know (laughs) and he like came from doing like google commercials so it's not like oh he's been doing like short films like he's an indie star no No. like this is his first Like, film. Like, this is the real deal, like, first feature. And he made it to Sundance. He got this huge um, distribution deal through Sony for this wide release. So, it's like, it is crazy, but I don't think anyone else could have made this movie as, like, real and true to life. You, like, have to be young to make this movie.
1: Well, it's interesting because I was watching the movie, and especially the first bit of it they like the kind of like cold open of the movie mm-hmm. felt to me as I was watching it, I was like oh this feels like one of those Facebook ads or one of those Google ads yeah. that's kind of like nostalgic and oh remember what Facebook used <laughs> to be and how it's grown and yes. that's the feel that I got and then when I saw that he'd worked on those type of commercials I was like <laughs> oh no wonder he nailed this because like he hit all of the aspects from those commercials just like in a movie format
0: yeah I know it was so It was so cool. And I think I was reading these interviews with him later and he was like, yeah, it was really important that we made it like real because so often movies don't make the social media aspect real. And that's like something I've noticed lately, like movies just try to ignore the fact that we're on our phones like half of the day. We're dealing with computers. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter, whatever it is, all the time. And yet you go to movies and there's not a phone in sight or The weird text bubbles pop up, and it's like very strange because none of the texts ever look like what they do look like on phones, you know? And so it's like funny because I think movies have been trying to figure out how to bridge this, like, you know, you don't want a story to take place on phones, but phones are a part of our life. So, how do you like navigate that? And I think he was the perfect guy to sort of do it in such an extreme way
1: yeah for sure and another interesting thing which i didn't really think about but as i was reading these articles about it is how they had to make this movie yeah because it's very different from making a traditional movie because you don't have the actors standing there and you set up the shot and you film you know lots of different versions of the shot and then you can kind of like pick and choose which one you want basically all of this is from is footage that's either like from a phone that the actor is holding Mm -hmm. or the actor has to look like they are on the computer because we're seeing it from like an open, uh, Like what do you even call that? Like an open like FaceTime window that's not working or whatever. But it's so like they have to look like they're on the computer and then they have to have all of these other various computer things around them. And so the director was saying that basically they had to storyboard the whole movie, like every Mm -hmm. single scene of it before they started shooting. Because when you're having John Cho film a scene where he's using the computer and, you know, texting his daughter he actually has to know what he's doing so that then when you go back later and make that text conversation on the desktop, that he is actually looking at the right places and taking the amount of time Mm -hmm. to type things and send things and get the responses and respond as an actor, which I thought was a really interesting problem to deal with that they managed to get through beautifully. But like, that's not even something that I was thinking about while I was watching it.
0: I know. I was actually like sitting there. I was like, do they just film, like, do they just screen grab an iPhone during this? Like, how do they make this work? Like, whose job is it to film this necessarily? Like, is John Cho holding the phone? And I think it's interesting because they did mention that, um, you know, they had their production team come in before even filming and they just... Um, like seven weeks before they just did a play by play of the whole film and they just had mm-hmm. the director do the sit in and read all the lines and do all this so that they could literally just screen record these two computers that they would be editing on and kind of create this this placeholder so they could then go and add John Cho's face and like they marked like where his eyes had to be to like believably be looking at this part of the movie or like how he had to follow the the mouse scroll that they set up in this pre-production that was actually like a post-production style shoot and it sounded very elaborate and I would have (laughs) like I would have I wonder if they had fun doing it because it seems like it would one be stressful but also just very interesting to work backwards like that
1: yeah well and another thing that they mentioned is that the actors had to be cameramen at a number of scenes because <laughs> yeah. they are holding the camera like they're holding the phone or the camera that they're using and actors never do that so they had to teach <laughs> yeah. John Cho and Deborah Messing who plays the cop in the movie how to you know operate these cameras so that they're when they're running around and doing scenes that involve looking at your phone or talking doing facetime that you know it's actually looking at their face and not like shooting above their head or right. you know the lighting isn't weird which is just, like so many wrinkles for this movie i to know
0: get and john cho was like yeah one of the challenges was I didn't have anyone to act against. Like he was literally, yes. you know, just talking by himself the whole time. Basically he had a few scenes with his brother. He had, I guess a couple, I don't know if he ever had a face to face with Deborah Messing's character. Or I think there were like a few where he was just like in a crowd during the news scenes or whatever. But most of yeah. the time the monologues, the talking, he was alone in a room. And I think it was like, he said it was a really interesting challenge for him because he's not only just talking to himself, but he is just talking to the camera in his hand. Like, it's not like he's acting for us for a stage, like a group of people watching him, filming him, telling him where to go. He's just on the phone basically. And he still has to deliver these, these, uh, this emotional arc for his character. And so it's like, it is a very interesting movie when you look at not only the story, but like the audacity of making it. And I think that was the most fun was like, I just I think movies have been trying to do the social media thing. And you saw it in eighth grade, I think, is a movie that did it pretty well, where yeah. this girl is like living on her phone. She's obsessed with Instagram. She's on YouTube. And you see like the way it permeates life. And I thought this story did like such a great job of like capturing, you know, the essence and that intimacy you have with your devices. And like, I think one of the favorite parts for me was he opens his daughter's laptop And it's like a clean desktop, and he's just like looking for news. He goes through this rapid fire like research process, and then he closes, minimizes all the windows, and the desktop is just like cluttered with everything. And there's just like this groan in the theater because like everyone like relates to those moments in life where you're so stressed, your desktop just becomes a mess, and you're like, oh, I need to organize it, but there's no time. And it's like it's just so interesting to see like these things that have never been on screen before, like really capture. The reality of like, I don't know, life and like what it is for us now and just these really human moments that take place on a computer you don't think anyone else is experiencing at the same time.
1: The moment that I felt that same way about was when he's trying to hack into his daughter's Facebook account (laughs) and it's like... Oh, you don't know the password. Uh Do you like, did you forget your password? Yes. What's the email address? Oh, you don't have the email address's password. Okay. You need to send that to a secondary email account. Uh, it's like the number of times I that know. I have been locked out of something and had to go through a 20 minute long process of having email sent to me with code so that yeah. I can reset the password. Oh, this password isn't long enough. Oh, it needs an exclamation point. in it. now I'm going to forget that next time because I never use that type of password. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's this stressful. is so, yeah. so true to life. And it was like a two minute long scene that was just uh-huh. that, that you're sitting yeah. through.
0: But you're still so engaged by it. It's like, this shouldn't be entertaining, but you're just like, you're like, wait, this is so real. Like, I just can't believe this is like being captured for us. And it's like, even the little things of like seeing that MacBook background, like it's just so familiar mm-hmm. and the and the text bubbles. And it's just like, it's strangely like, nostalgic because you know it's going to change in like two years but you're just like wow they like really captured this right now and I think that is really interesting too in this sort of style of film is I think people avoid using social media and stuff because it does get dated so fast and you don't want to watch a movie and like be like lol look at that dumb computer they're using but here they're just like totally owning it and you see all the current you know logos for tumblr and twitter and whatever else they're doing you see like you see the desktop and you see the different computers they're using and there's just like this sense that this is like a time capsule maybe for what technology is now and like i don't know how well it will age but it'll be interesting because it's just like such a perfect encapsulation of like 2018, you know. I think
1: uh, we should talk now about the kind of opener of the movie. Oh, yes,
0: which it was is so good,
1: so sad, and I know. So, but so freaking well done.
0: So good.
1: Basically, the majority of the movie takes place within a span of a couple of days between yeah, John Cho as David, the father, and his daughter, who I think is a sophomore in, mm-hmm. in high school. But the opening scene of the movie is kind of this timeline of from when the daughter was born to her being the age she is in the movie and Mm -hmm. her mother passes away in that time frame. But Mm -hmm. the whole thing is set on the technology that they would have been using along the way. So it's like the first shot of the movie is them opening up like Windows XP, (laughs) which I was just like taken back to middle (laughs) school when I saw those little like... (laughs) icons of like the chess figure and you know that you get to choose from yeah and you see aim and you see old versions of facebook and the little like planner icon Mm -hmm. from outlook that used to pop up in the corner Uh, yeah these and and it just like took you back because i hadn't thought about some of those different pieces of technology in years but they were things that i would use every day back Mm -hmm. you know a decade ago
0: i know and it was just like it was literally just like the scene the opening scene and up it's like up for adults it's just like it really surprises you how instantly you like connected to this to this family to this story and it was so smart of them to do that because if if we just come in and it was just like oh they're both awkward uncomfortable there's clearly something there it could have worked but like this opener was like hey, we're gonna get down to business. And if you think this is just like some gimmick, like jokes on you, because you are about to feel feelings. And it's like, you do. Yeah. Because it's like, it has a sweet score to it. And you're just like, oh, what a happy family. She like beats cancer. And then suddenly the cancer comes back. And it's just like, because there's this moment where the way they let you know that the mom dies is like, they just like, delete this or that she's too sick is they just delete this calendar event of her mom coming home and you're just like oh like the thought of going through a calendar and like having to remove that it's like that is a strangely like affecting way to show like how life like works like how this technology like sticks with you and like yeah that's something you'd have to do and that would be such a brutal moment where you're alone with your computer and you have to delete this like optimistic bit of planning in your calendar. And it was just like, it was so strangely affecting to me. I was just like, whoa, that hit home, you know?
1: Well, like you said earlier, it's so personal, but in Mm -hmm. the same way, it's not overly sentimental because these are normal everyday things. When she starts getting sick, you see it through these doctor appointment calendar invites that show up. Mm -hmm. And then once she is sick, yeah, you see the mom coming home a calendar invite that kind of gets moved a couple of times through the various dates and then eventually gets nixed together. and yeah. even after the mom dies they sort of let you know that that happens because the per- someone is like looking through pictures of the mom and then drags mm. the picture over into oh, like yeah. the obituary that they're writing and it's yeah. and it's these moments that aren't uh, super sappy or super sentimental it's not a bunch of people crying hysterically mm-hmm. but it's like the everyday moment that follows that where you're having to be like yeah somebody close to me just died and now i am the person responsible of putting this obituary together and that's something that everybody has to do at some point in their life but and you don't really think about it but it is so depressing and says so much about what you're going through
0: i know i thought that's what was really interesting about the film was like even beyond the like Thriller story of it all. It was to me, it was a movie like about how to how you deal with grief and like, and so often movies that handle social media are like technophobic and they're like, oh, beware, social media is the end of all things. Yeah. And this was just much more like social media and technology is a very intimate and personal thing. And like, you don't always think of that, but like, it's like that itch you get when someone's like, oh, let me see a picture on your phone. And you're like, well, wait like do I want to give you access to my phone like this is so unique to me like what are you gonna see and you don't have anything in mind but there's just this anxiety that comes with sharing that because it is like it is your lifeline it's like this part of you that you can't really describe and like you have such a unique relationship to it and I thought this movie choosing the like grief angle and like focusing on how this family is handling the loss of their of their matriarch was really interesting and it kind of humanized the use of technology because i don't know like unfriended it's like a ghost story that takes place on Skype so it doesn't like the technology doesn't matter but here like right. especially in the beginning and in the setup you like see these characters like you really get to know these characters based solely on how they use their their technology
1: yeah yeah it's a it's very interesting and very well done and i think it really is striking a chord with people the movie only cost a million dollars to make and it has already you know grossed over 14 million Mm dollars which isn't huge in comparison with some of the movies that we've you know talked about on the podcast so far that have made a lot more than that but for the budget i think it's It's done really well. (laughs) And I think it's going to continue to do really well as we move forward. I mean, Mm -hmm. I have only heard good things about this. I have told other people that they should go see this movie. I don't think it was super widely marketed to begin with it's definitely a word of mouth type movie and i think that this summer there's been a lot of those the eighth grade was definitely a huge word of mouth hit hereditary was a big word of mouth hit the Mm -hmm. mr rogers documentary was a big word of mouth hit i think people are looking for these types of movies and the fact that this is a really well done thriller and has a lot of great twists but also just the first 10 minutes of it alone is like <laughs> worth the ticket
0: price. Yeah, and what's interesting too is like I kind of want to go watch it again because Yeah. you just they have like so many details on the screen that you don't really focus on during your first viewing and I think it's like they had to write everything you see. So there's like, you know, when she when he's texting his daughter on his computer, you can see some of the text on the sidebar and I was reading this interview and they're like, Yeah, we put in a lot of details because we had to write everything and they were saying even the file names, the details in the photos, the dates, the timestamps, like they all matter to the story. And I think that's interesting that there's like this Easter egg hunt that you're not even like fully aware of because you're just swept into the like the, the visual story of it. But in actuality there's all these like pieces, like I don't know, I thought it was so funny one of the one of the photos is of their like back to school thing, which is a recurring theme Um, has like a sign in the background. That's like home of the catfish or something. And yes, it's just like, I saw that too. It's just like very playful and like interesting that there's all these layers. You they had to put in just because they had to fill the space.
1: And and they are when like catfish. That is such yeah. A, like that is so spot on and yeah. like a subtle nod to the movie itself. Uh, yeah. Great.
0: I know. I was curious though. Do you think like the story itself worked? Like just the the who done it of it all. Um. I mean,
1: maybe, like, let's talk about that, I guess, a little bit more when we get into the spoilers section. Yeah, (laughs) I thought that the story and the way it unfolded definitely worked. And I was, like, enthralled as I was watching it. Mm -hmm. Once you get to the end and the big reveal, looking back, some of the things I was like, "Um, I'm not sure, like, exactly how realistic (laughs) this was. But I think that as a whole, the story really worked for me. Did it work for you?
0: Yeah, I think one thing that I was just like confused by was Deborah Messing. (laughs) I just didn't love her. I thought she really, she was very strange to watch. And knowing the ending, you kind of think, okay, maybe there was a character choice there. But I still think she was very like robotic, and like her voice alone (laughs) was very strange.
1: (laughs) Yes. When I was watching the commercial for this movie or the trailer, I was like, is 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 this siri or an actual person and then as i was watching the first you know chunk of the movie where he's talking on the phone with her i kept thinking this like the plot of the the twist is gonna be that she's not a real human (laughs) that this voice is fake it sounds so much like a like a siri robot person and then that like has nothing to do with it later (laughs) but
0: i know she
1: just sounds so bizarre
0: it's very weird and i I just, I don't know. It seems like maybe she's coming from a very melodramatic background or she just didn't really capture the, like, realness of the film because I thought everyone else performed very well. I thought John Cho did an amazing job, as per usual, love him. But for some reason, she was just, like, struggling. And I don't know. I mean, again, from the end, it's, like, maybe on purpose, but I don't know if that's justifiable.
1: What do you mean, Sarah? It's me. Deborah yeah. Messing, I am here yeah. on the podcast as a guest. Do you have any questions for me?
0: No. <laughs>
1: Please leave. Okay, I it am going away much. now. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, My only other question about the movie in general is, is you cast an actual thing?
0: I didn't look it up. I was curious. I, I feel like it's some... Like, I've seen things like that. Um, yes. But it is, like, it seemed very... I mean, that's the thing that's interesting, too, is because I often wonder, like, in the future, like, what apps my kids will use that I'll have no idea what they are. Because the joke in this one a lot is that he doesn't know what Tumblr is. He has trouble figuring out, like, I don't know what else, but he's clearly, like, not in on the know. And so I don't know if UCast is real, but it's basically, like, Instagram stories or, like, YouTube so yeah
1: it looked like a weird Instagram live where yeah. people can ask you questions. It looked boring AF. <laughs> From those scenes that you know you have to watch the daughter on you cast where basically yeah. she's just filming herself while people like ask her weird questions like what's your favorite pokemon <laughs> uh, there is no way that that is like going to be a viable popular social media platform I'm... because that looked so dull
0: i think you'd be surprised because again you see in eighth grade this girl who's like wanting to feel connected she turns to like youtube and turns out these Videos no one's watching, but she still makes them. And I think that's a very real thing for kids these days, you know, is this idea that they want to be validated by strangers and they like need to be seen by people who they're not close to because that's like safer than opening up to their dad about how hard it is to lose their mom. So they turn to this dumb like Instagram live where they're just talking and they just. They're not even talking all the time. They're just staring and waiting for someone to reach out. And it's very like I I think that's very real to a lot of people's experience on social media today.
1: Very interesting. Well, <laughs> we will have to see where that goes in the future. I
0: know. I mean, have you ever joined an Instagram live? Uh
1: I think I have joined like your Instagram oh, really? live maybe
0: once. <laughs> and was sort of like, uh, okay, this
1: is uh, It's again, surreal.
0: And I thought it was really funny because he joins one of these lives and he's like can you see me and the guy's like how would I be able to see you because it's like it is very unnerving at first like if you join a Facebook live and you're like wait (laughs) can they see me like what do they know about me what am I involved in now and so it is like a strange world but I definitely think there are people who love like just waiting for strangers to come and join them I On my Swiftish podcast have joined a lot of Swifties (laughs) Instagram lives and they'll just be sitting there doing homework and just like wait for someone to be like, hey, what's your favorite Taylor Swift song? And it's just like it's very weird, but I think it's just a growing trend for these for these kids. I don't know why, but.
1: I definitely have accidentally joined a Instagram <laughs> live like when it pops up on the top and you and I'm trying to swipe it away and I swipe yeah. into it and I get so nervous because it'll be like oh you're the only person there and someone <laughs> yes. will be like Matthew and like, no you're no like, I actually do, I don't want to do, like have a weird yeah. conversation with you person that I don't know very well but I've now joined a live group and it's just the two of us
0: <laughs> yeah. and you're just stuck there cuz you don't want to like yeah be rude (laughs) no i'm rude i just don't respond (laughs) and and
1: and get out of there and it's like technical malfunction Uh, it was never there to begin with
0: yeah (laughs) no but i think it's a good movie and i think i mean there is room to see it and i think there's reason to watch it again because it's not just a gimmick per se i think it really humanizes these characters that might have struggled under maybe like a week or at least I don't know, predictable, but just like a familiar story. You know, it's a classic runaway, lost child, whatever story where the the twists are surprising and like refreshingly different, but they're still like predictable in a way that you just know it'll end in a certain way.
1: Well, let's get to the twists. So spoiler alert, we're going to talk spoilers. We're going to talk what happened to the daughter, who took her, where'd she go, what's going on with Deborah Messing's weird Siri voice
0: that's actually never
1: resolved so we we don't know about that (laughs) yeah but uh be warned we are starting the spoilers now so if you are still here tough luck people
0: (laughs) yeah tell us tell us what happened
1: so as as it happens the daughter who is devastated by her mother's death has been going up alone to this lake to smoke pot in her car that she has gotten from her uncle Mm-hmm. And she is also doing these videos on UCast. Well, yeah. Deborah Messing's creepy son, <laughs> Follow is stalking the Cat daughter, her
0: a little. Yeah. catfishing
1: her, basically, <laughs> pretending to be her best friend, but actually being this random guy who I think they go to school together, or maybe they don't yeah. go to school together, but they live in the same town. He follows her up to the lake, gets in the car with her, wanting to mm-hmm. be her best friend. She gets creeped out, runs away through some kind of altercation, falls over into a ravine. Mm -hmm. And then the son goes back to Deborah Messing and says, "Uh, this girl, she's like fallen. And Deborah Messing is such a great mom that she (laughs) jumps on the case when it's called in and then tries to basically derail it at every chance she gets. But Mm -hmm. John Cho, who is a detective at heart, (laughs) manages to unravel everything and they catch her in the end.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. It felt very of mice and men, you know, this boy who it sounds like they were implying there was some sort of like mental deficiencies there. Yeah, like
1: maybe he had autism or something. Yeah.
0: And so it's like very much he didn't mean to do anything nefarious. But in this twist, he accidentally hurts this girl. And the mom is like, well, your life would be ruined. So I might as well save yours. And basically frames this this ex-con actually like (laughs) kills the dude to really put the nail in the coffin. Yes. And is only caught because John Cho couldn't give up on his, on his little girl. And I thought it was pretty, it was a very, like you said, it was pretty surprising. Like a lot of the twists I was like, I didn't know what was going to happen. And you know, they try and set up the brother at a moment for being like a creepy dude. They try and set up this dumb jerk on Instagram There's a lot of red herrings and in the end, the fact that it's her, I thought it was like good, but I wish there hadn't been so much monologuing about the end because it's basically like Deborah Messing's character is the final like act is Deborah Messing's character in um, a police station, giving her reading off her um, sworn statement. So she literally just, she just narrates the entire explanation.
1: Yeah. And it's and it's definitely one of those moments where you get to the second half of the movie and it's technically on a screen because it's coming from like a video <laughs> yeah. camera that's in yeah. the the room where she's making the confession. But it's like, who, like, whose computer is this? I mean, right. John Cho definitely doesn't have access to <laughs> like, the gotta
0: watch. Uh,
1: like the local yeah. <laughs> jail security cameras. Yeah. The part that I did not see coming and that I thought was interesting, is when they're like, uh, but the daughter's been down there so long, like she'd definitely be dead. She would have died of dehydration. Mm-hmm. And John Cho is like, no, because it rained a couple of days ago. And that was part of the plot yeah. of the yeah. movie, was that it rained. They couldn't look for her because it had rained it so rained. much. And then that's what ends up saving her. I did not see that coming. I, I like know.
0: It was a big moment. It was It was strangely like, it was one of the first movies in a long time where I was like, On the edge of my seat, I was like, yes, yes, it worked out like it's like everything pulled together and it didn't feel too cheesy that I was just like above it all. You know, it was like a very enjoyable ride, I think.
1: Well, and from the trailers, which they I'm sure did this on purpose. And even from the first half of the movie, you get the idea that the daughter is up to something really nefarious because she's taking the money from her dad for piano lessons using it in some kind of weird way that we don't know mm-hmm. she disappears she's told her dad that she has all these friends which she doesn't have she's told her dad that the study group was gonna go all night mm-hmm. she actually left at nine so really you think that she is involved with something that's really yeah. terrible and in the end she's just really sad that her mom has died she's smoking weed because her <laughs> uncle gave it to her to try to like cope with this yeah. and really that's she's just sad. So when it gets to the end of the movie and you realize that really she hasn't done anything, then you're really rooting for her to be found and to alive. be alive yeah. because there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing bad that she's right. done. It's not like she's a problematic figure at all. She's just sweet high school girl whose mom passed away.
0: Yeah, whose dad hasn't been the greatest at helping her cope. I know. So, um,
1: uh, Shelby, <laughs> um, uh, the it's Tuesday. The, uh, the voice is on the tonight. Voice. <laughs>
0: Are we, uh, do you want to watch watching? the voice, I yeah. guess? <laughs> yeah. It's
1: me, Deborah Messi. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to watch the voice with you.
0: I I think Deborah, looking back, she's obviously trying to hide her track. So I think she was putting on this really like calm front because honestly, she knew what she needed to do. She was being robotic because she had to just get it done to protect her son. But if that was the case, I wish she would have loosened up during the the reading of her statement because That just didn't make sense anymore. She's just real. She just plays it really straight, flat. I don't know what, but she has a weird voice effect. And it bothered me the whole movie.
1: (laughs) And going back to something that we talked about on an earlier podcast of what hair does the woman have to (laughs) convey her character type? She, for a police officer, has like the longest strangest <laughs> hair and there's a scene where she's running out of her uh, like apartment late at night to because uh-huh. John Cho has found the body and she looks like Miss Havisham or some <laughs> kind of strange like Victorian woman with this like long hair down her back like flying all over the place. I was just thinking who was in charge of hair and makeup for this? Like what is this? This is not her normal yeah. hair, is it? It looked terrible.
0: <laughs> well, it was a million dollar budget, so it doesn't sound like there was a yeah. big <laughs> <laughs> there was a big hair and makeup styling budget there. Yes, I guess so, so. Yeah, just show up as you will is probably the instructions they got. But we got uh,
1: three wigs <laughs> from the uh, local town production of uh, Great Expectations. Deborah, you get to pick <laughs> yeah. whichever one you want to wear, and uh, we'll we'll throw it together for you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think aside from her. It worked in a really interesting way. And I don't know if that's just because the uniqueness of its format or if standing alone, the story would have struggled more, but I think altogether it became a really interesting film that is worth like examining more closely because it does capture such a unique part of, you know, the human experience now that really most movies are unwilling to explore.
1: Yeah. I would definitely recommend if you have not seen this movie and you are listening to this part of the podcast, which I don't know why you would be because this is the spoiler <laughs> section. But yeah. for whatever reason, you should go watch it.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, even if you feel spoiled, the movie is so rich with weird details that I think it'd be worth seeing again just to catch all the clues that you ha- you miss just by, you know, not knowing to look for them. <laughs>
1: We didn't even bring up the scene where John Cho attacks somebody in a movie theater. So you have that to look forward to. (laughs) Yeah. But shall we move on to the love it or hate it section, Shelby?
0: Yes, please. Tell me what you're feeling.
1: So I am feeling a lot of love this week. I feel like I always end up liking things, which is strange because I feel like in life I hate (laughs) so many things. It's weird. It's weird personality (laughs) conflict. Anyways... I have been watching, trying to catch up on these Emmy-nominated TV shows. Oh, yeah. And this weekend, I watched Barry, which is the HBO Mm, show starring Bill Hader. Have you seen this?
0: No, my husband watched it, though.
1: Oh, it is so good. (laughs) It is so funny. It's only eight episodes. They're only a half hour, so I would, like you can watch it in no time. You could watch it in, uh, in, all <laughs> in an evening, like binge it all after yeah. dinner. And basically Bill Hader is playing an, a hitman who gets tasked with killing somebody who's in an acting class in Los Angeles. He goes out, is taking this class, and really just kind of falls in love with a girl who's in the class but also acting in general Mm -hmm. and so this guy gets killed in the first episode and then he is sort of struggling with like should I be a hitman? the people who he's working for keep dragging him into these various things but really he just wants to be an actor and be with this girl and it is so funny (laughs) and Henry Winkler who plays the Fonz in Happy Days who I don't Uh know you also might know him as the dad from Holes who uh, was the inventor of the weird (laughs) sploosh Uh, anti-odor shoe repellent he plays the acting coach and he is frigging hilarious like (laughs) everything that i have ever wanted in a tv character every scene he's in he's just masterfully funny and so strange i like i just want a show that's just him like i could like i could do like a network tv show 22 episodes Full hour drama with just <laughs> him, and and I would watch it. He is so funny. He is nominated for an Emmy, which he probably won't win, but I want him to so badly because he is just like ugh, mind Whoa, blown Everybody so should watch this show. So optimistic,
0: so positive. Look at that, a glowing who, who review. Guessed? I know. Uh, I mean, I've been meaning to check it out, so maybe yeah. I
1: will. Oh, and it's. It's so fast, Shelby. You just okay, will zoom okay. through it. Okay. Maybe Deborah Messing should also attend this. Yeah. That's another, <laughs> yeah. She could that's another suggestion. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what about you, Shelby? Love it or hate it?
0: Okay. I'm sort of like, like it okay, but um, I feel like it's worth <laughs> mentioning. Um, I went and saw Operation Finale yesterday, which oh, is yeah. another movie that opened. It hasn't been doing like that well. It has Oscar Isaac and Ben Kingsley. It's a story about, Catching the last like war criminal From World War II And the architect behind The concentration camps So it was like good It was fine But the real reason I went maybe Was because it also starred Joe Alwyn Who as we Ah, previously discussed The truth comes out (laughs) We previously discussed Is Taylor Swift's beau And it sort of was uncomfortable to watch him Because he plays a nazi and it's just bad optics for taylor swift right now because the neo-nazis basically adopted her as their like ultimate um perfect woman there's been a lot of rumors about taylor swift being racist so it's just sort of like knowing all that i was just sort of uncomfortable seeing joe alwyn really give himself to this role as like a very bad (laughs) nazi (laughs) (laughs) And so that sort of like ruined it for me. I couldn't really fully relax because I was just like, oh, why did he take this? This is so bad for Taylor. But I mean, no one really saw it. So no harm done, I guess. (laughs)
1: I was going to say, I had never heard of this movie at oh, really? all, like had never seen a trailer for it, had never seen really? anything. My mom texted me It was like, your dad and I just went and saw this movie called Operation Finale. It was really good. <laughs> and I was like, oh, OK. So I, lo- I was like, how did they know about a movie that I don't know about? I have a frigging podcast yeah. after all. <laughs>
0: I don't know how you missed the trailers for it. I feel like it was in every movie I saw for like the last month, but
1: maybe I mean I would say maybe we're seeing different movies, but, <laughs> but we've seen the same movies <laughs> yeah. because we've talked about them on this show. Yeah. No, I don't maybe it's like they think people in New York won't like it. All <laughs> I have seen is freaking the Lady Gaga movie trailer. That's that's, that's all I have seen 85 yeah. million times.
0: No, yeah. I think people wanted it to be better. I mean, obviously Oscar Isaac, Ben Kingsley, they're very talented. And the film in that sense was good, but it just felt a little like there was nothing especially emotional or new about this story. Like, even though it was a story I didn't know, like, I just felt like they handled it in a really boring way. And so, I don't know. It was just okay. I didn't, like, loathe it, but it wasn't anything that special. And I just really wish Joe had made a different <laughs> first uh, movie choice, but there you go. He's a, he's a Nazi. <laughs> so can we just, can I just
1: ask a question about him yeah. really quick? So he's an actor. Mm-hmm. Has he been in anything that we would know? Like, yeah, like what so kind of a star he, power does he have? And how did he and Taylor end up together? Cause oh, he seems like someone you. I've never heard of. Before.
0: Yeah. So he um, rose to fame. He was starring in the bill. Bill's long walk to the halftime show, or whatever that big movie was. Oh yes, the, the
1: Billy director. Loomis's long, yeah. half-time. long halftime walk. Yes. Yeah,
0: no one saw yes. it, but it was like Angley's latest movie after um the Life of Pi. So it was like a oh, big really? deal, but it just didn't like land. And it was shot yeah. in an interesting way, and it didn't like work. And so he was cast in Did that. It, it was his first. No, I didn't. And this was before he and Taylor started dating but that's like that was his first movie and his first like american movie i think first movie period but so that's how he was invited to the met gala and that's where taylor and he met and he just like Ah. landed this huge score like can you imagine like oh my gosh luckiest guy alive but and to be fair to him he had he had lined up these two roles he's in this year, The Favorite and Operation Finale, before Taylor and him were at least public. So I don't think, I mean, he's definitely more famous now because he's Taylor Swift's boyfriend, but um, he's definitely been trying to get in the scene for the last few years. And I mean, he was like, fine. He's just sort of generically handsome. Just, he really fits the Nazi role type, unfortunately. So... (laughs) Is he
1: going to be in cats? Has she <laughs> opted to for, to yeah, get him that's into that? A good
0: idea. I mean, maybe he's too smart to go for cats. You know, he's like, I'm better than cats. <laughs> yeah, he well, needs to spread that message. That's along. what we thought about Taylor, but
1: apparently not. <laughs> no.
0: So, oh, I can't get away from that story. I just want it to die. I just don't want it to happen.
1: I well, hope. I saw, I almost brought it up earlier because the release date was set. I know. It's, it's like, like coming official. out next December.
0: I know. It's bad. It's just like I hope that gets delayed indefinitely and they bring back Guardians 3, honestly, cuz I just can't <laughs> I can't. Well, you sit know what cats. you need to be
1: doing is yeah. figure out what oh, I need to find the director, <laughs> go through his old Twitter feed, find a racist <laughs> yeah. tweet and then try to nail him with it.
0: It's a good idea. That's what I'm going to do right now.
1: Yeah, get the Swiftish people on there. Get all the Taylor (laughs) Swift fans. I'm sure that they can drum up something.
0: Yeah. (laughs) We'll do our best.
1: But I think that is everything for this week. So thanks for listening, everybody. And again, you can follow, subscribe. Please leave us a comment. It probably (laughs) won't be as good as as Tessica's, but, you know, you could try. No more
0: survivor talk. We don't need that. No need. (laughs) Move on to other... (laughs) Other things to celebrate.
1: (laughs) You could talk about your favorite uh, cat's memory on the review. We'll read that for Shelby.
0: Please. I don't know what's worse.
1: Uh, But uh, everybody have a great week and we will see you next time. Bye.
0: Bye.